Welcome to the Grace Point Podcast, a ministry of Grace Point Church for Scythe in Cumming, Georgia. To find out more about Grace Point Church, you can go to our website at gpcga.org. That's gpcga.org. We are starting a new series this week on Ecclesiastes. Uh, For those of you who don't know where Ecclesiastes is, if you open up your Bible almost to the middle, Psalms is the largest book. Right after Psalms comes Proverbs. Right after Proverbs comes Ecclesiastes. Uh, We have pew Bibles, these blue Bibles in the rows. If you have one of those, it's on page 553. We also have some red pew Bibles in the back that are large print. And if you have one of those, it's on page 653. And 56. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes 1, verses 1 and 2, introduce the book today through these first two verses, and start to look at Ecclesiastes as we continue this series throughout the summer. As you're turning there, I want to remind you of uh, our work day, as Daniel already mentioned. Next Saturday, we'll be working out at our property. For those of you who don't know, we have a property of about uh, 50 acres on the lake uh, that we are leasing that we use during the summer for eight weeks of camp. Uh, We have uh, mostly elementary school kids, but we also have a week of middle school camp where we teach the gospel. We do activities where they are out there swimming and having fun, shooting arrows, and learning all about the Lord. This year, the um, camp's theme is Word Over World. And this year, those students are going to be talking about what is it that the world tells us, and what are the truths that are in the Word. They're going to be going through Ecclesiastes as well. Also want to remind you, if you have not already, to sign up for our emails. On our Wednesday and Friday emails, we now have the opportunity through a Spotify account that we have to listen to the songs that we'll be singing uh, in worship this week. It's a great opportunity for you to kind of get more familiar with any of the songs that you might not know, or throughout the rest of the week to continue to sing those songs in praise, honor, and glory to the Lord. I often have these songs on repeat in the background as I'm studying, as I'm reading. That way I'm all ready for Sunday morning. So if you haven't taken advantage of that, please make sure to do that. Now that you've turned to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, please stand for the reading of God's word as we read chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Father, as we begin to dive into Ecclesiastes, we pray that you would help us to have a better understanding of what this vanity is that you talk about, of the way that you have called us to lean on and trust in your word, and of who you are. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I looked up some quotes from uh, the two O's that the world thinks are wise people, Oprah and Osteen. And uh, I, uh, I, I read these and thought you would appreciate this. This is the wisdom of the world. Don't worry about being successful, but work towards being significant, and the success will naturally follow. 
When you do everything you can do, that's when God will step in and do what you can't do. We were old sinners, but when we came to Christ, we are not sinners anymore. I would contend that all of these are not true, so don't get in a tizzy. Um, But this is the wisdom that the world puts forth. This is the wisdom that those around us are listening to. And if you listen to those quotes, the focus of this wisdom is you. Your success, your happiness, your joy, your contentedness. It's all about you according to the world. And yet we know that those who pursue wisdom like this never end up happy. Now what about this quote? This one's a little bit older from Zinzendorf. Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. How encouraging is that one? And yet, the focus there is very different from Oprah and Osteen. The focus there is on the gospel. The focus there is on the Lord, and it purposely takes away from a focus on us. Preach the gospel. Die. Be forgotten. Now, if you listen to those two types of quotes, they probably made you feel very different. Oprah and Osteen make us think, oh, yeah, go me. If I try hard enough, I can do all that I want. Zinzendorf is more like, whoa, hang on, I don't like this idea. Because everything around us tells us that it's about us, and to be forgotten goes against everything that we hear. These are both different kinds of wisdom. Wisdom of the world and wisdom of the word. So as we open up Ecclesiastes, as we begin to dive into this book, we have to ask ourselves, what wisdom does Ecclesiastes have to teach us? So today we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. We're going to open up this book. We're going to introduce it. We're going to look at the context, the content, and answer the question, why should we study Ecclesiastes? So let's start by looking at the context. We're going to look at the context, the content, and answer the question, why should we study Ecclesiastes? Now, last year, we did an overview series of Scripture, and over and over and over again, I said, context is king. That's right. For those of you who haven't been here before, that's the answer from now on. So you know the one quiz I ask during sermons is that one, so now you know the answer. Context is king. The reason we talked about that so many times last year is because as we read Scripture, we come across lots of different types of literature. God uses different authors. God uses different ways of speaking to draw our focus up to him. And so with context being the king, we always ask ourselves when we enter into a new book, What is the genre? What type of literature is this book? And Ecclesiastes is wisdom literature. Douglas O'Donnell, a commentator, says this, As a book of wisdom, Ecclesiastes shares characteristics found in Proverbs, Job, and the Song of Songs. There is a plethora of poetry. There are piles of parallelisms, synonymous, antithetic, synthetic, and inverted. There are metaphors, similes, hyperboles, alliteration, assonances, as well as wonderful word plays. There might even be onomatopoeia. 
There are proverbs. There are short narratives with pointed parable-like endings. There are practical admonitions. There are rhythmic quality refrains. There are rhetorical questions. There are shared key terms such as wisdom, folly, and my son. There are shared concepts such as the fear of God. And as is true with much other biblical wisdom literature, it is written by or about or by and about Solomon, the Old Testament's ultimate wisdom sage. So from that one quote, we see that throughout this book, there's going to be a lot of different ways that the author conveys his ideas. Some of them are going to be proverb-oriented. Some of them are going to be poetic. Some of them are going to be different types of language from metaphors to similes, hyperboles, alliterations. And so remembering that context is king, we have to remember this truth. Wisdom literature reads very different from things like the Gospels, which tell us the story of who Jesus is. And so context is king. And with Ecclesiastes being wisdom literature, we have to be careful how we read it. O'Donnell goes on to say, the best way to read Ecclesiastes is as God's wisdom literature with a unified message that makes better sense in light of the crucified, risen, and returning Christ. Let me read that again. The best way to read Ecclesiastes is as God's wisdom literature with a unified message that makes better sense in light of the crucified, risen, and returning Christ. In that quote, we start to get some of the reasons why we're focusing on Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, written long before Jesus was on the earth, helps point forward to who Jesus is and reminds both the Old Testament, the New Testament, and today, believers of all those ages, the truth of who God is. And it does it through wisdom literature. And so we need to, as we read, make sure we remember that it's wisdom literature. Make sure that we remember that it is a unified message. This is not broken up. This is not different. It doesn't contradict itself because sometimes it will sound like it does. And it's all focused and made even more glorious in the light of the crucified, risen, and returning Christ. So we read today verses 1 and 2. As we continue with the context, let's answer some questions that arise in 1 and 2. Verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And so the question becomes, who is the preacher? Now many commentators believe the preacher is Solomon, who also wrote Proverbs, who also wrote Song of Songs. uh, And those three books are right next to each other. Others argue that it's not Solomon because in both Proverbs and Song of Songs, he takes credit. And here he does not. He just calls himself Koheleth, which is a Hebrew word that is translated the preacher because it comes from the Hebrew root meaning gathering. And so this person is gathering people to teach and to preach the truths of the gospel. I think personally that it is Solomon But I could be wrong, and that's fine. The important thing is that here we have a person who is in the line of David who is telling us about who God is and drawing us into God's presence by revealing to us who he is. Now, because of uh, Koheleth, because of the idea of this preacher O'Donnell, who also thinks it's Solomon, likes to call the author of Ecclesiastes Pastor Solomon. 
because Ecclesiastes reads very pastorally, very lovingly, trying to help us to realize what it is that we need as we read through this book. And then we get to verse 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It seems like a very repetitious verse. And yet this verse is the theme for the entire book. So what is vanity? Some translations uh, translate this word havel as meaningless. It is not meaningless. And we know that because even in these vanities, as the preacher will go throughout, he says that there is meaning in them. They are not meaningless. Instead, this word means vanity, breath, vapor, something that you can't hold on to. It's like trying to catch a wisp of smoke. Vanity of vanities. Why does he use that phrase, vanity of vanities? It's the same reason we see elsewhere in Scripture, Lord of lords, King of kings. Of all the lords, of all the kings, God is the one. Of all the elusiveness, of all the vanity out there, this is the one pursuing our own desires, like trying to capture smoke. It looks solid, but when we go to grab it, it gets out of our way, and we open our hand and have nothing in our hand. You see, the author of Ecclesiastes is reminding us, because of the curse of sin, because of what happened in Genesis 3, all things, all things of this world will give us the same result. All things of this world will lead to a lack of contentment. All things of this world are like smoke. We grasp for it. We desire it. We want it. We think it will satisfy us. But as we go for it, it leaves us with nothing. So the theme of this book is that pursuing things of this world won't gain us anything. Now if we go back and remember O'Donnell's quote This is wisdom literature with a unified message that is read better in light of Christ's crucified, rising, and returning. So if the world provides us with smoke and vanities, what is it that we should be pursuing? We should be pursuing God. We should be pursuing the gospel. That is the context with which we will dive into this word. And before we go deeper into how we'll pursue this, let's go from context to content. What is Ecclesiastes about? And again, we've started this already. The lack of contentment with things in this world, the lack of satisfaction that things of this world cannot provide us with, leads us to pursue something else. And the author, the preacher, is going to go through all of Ecclesiastes and list all the things that we want to pursue, all the things that are of this world. He's going to say they're not going to get us what we want. What is Ecclesiastes about? Derek Kidner in his commentary says this, At the bottom we find the axiom of all the wise men of the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But Koheleth plans to bring us to that point, last of all, when we are desperate for an answer. There are hints of it in passing, but his main approach is from the other end, the resolve to see how far a man will get with no such basis. He puts himself and us 
in the shoes of a humanist or a secularist. So Derek Kidner is saying the way the preacher works this is he leaves us panting for, desiring, wanting, thirsting for the answer by giving us all the emptiness first. And you can see that if, if you read through Ecclesiastes, like I recommended on a Friday email, you'll see that in chapter 12 we see the glory of the Lord. But all the way leading up into that, we're left with this vanity of vanities. All things are vanities. And it's not until we get to the end that the preacher finally reveals to us the glory of God and how he answers all that the world cannot. How he gives us wisdom and contentment in ways that the world cannot. Commentator David Gibson says this, Wisdom literature asks the question, what does it mean to fear the Lord in the world the Lord has made. Along with Job, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes is a meditation on what it means to be alive in a world that God made and called good, yet which has gone so very wrong, often in catastrophic ways. The preacher experiments with everything around him and similarly wants us to reflect on our experience of the world. Look at your life. Look at what's happening to you. What does that tell you about life in general? How should we make sense of this? Can we ever even make sense of it? Wisdom literature uses proverbs and pithy sayings, riddles and provocation, questions and answer, prose and poetry to force us to look at things from a different angle. So like Kidner, Gibson is telling us as we read through Ecclesiastes, it's not going to be direct the way that we usually think. It's going to use different forms of language, different ways of thinking to continuously draw us to this content that the world is not enough. Despite what Oprah and Osteen say, we can't make ourselves happy. We can't make ourselves content because nothing here is contentment worthy. Only by pursuing the Lord and having the promised eternity, can we find the contentment that we so desperately want? Douglas O'Donnell again says this. Three authors have summarized Ecclesiastes well. These are his favorite summaries. Michael Eaton says that Ecclesiastes defends the life of faith in a generous God by pointing to the grimness of the alternative defends why we should pursue God by showing us the grimness, the emptiness, the worthlessness of pursuing the world. Jeffrey Myers says that true wisdom that Ecclesiastes offers us is the fear is to fear God and keep his commandments to receive and use the gifts of God with joy and gratitude. Again, we fear, pursue, love, and obey God because the world will offer us nothing. And finally, Sidney Gradanis writes an excellent summary admonition. Fear God in order to turn a vain, empty life into a meaningful life which will enjoy God's gifts. How many times have you been struggling or suffering and asked yourself, what is the meaning of it all? How many times have you come to the end of yourself and just felt wrung out and asked why? 
Gradanus says Ecclesiastes helps us to answer that question. Pursuing the world, our heart's desires, and the things that are here cannot provide us with joy and gratitude. Instead, we should pursue God who promises us eternity with him. This book, this book of Ecclesiastes will continue to show us the vanities of this world. And by showing us the vanities of this world, it will continue to point us to Christ. Through poetic literature, through uh, all these different uses of wisdom literature, the preacher is going to say again and again and again and again, this world cannot satisfy you. This world will not fill you. This world will not bring contentment. Only through Christ can we be satisfied. This is not a direct quote. This is off my memory. Jim Carrey once said, I wish all the people could get all the money that they wanted and have all the things that they wanted so that they could realize that that's not enough. You think about it. Here's this famous multimillionaire movie star. And he says, I've realized having the things that the world tells me is what I need is not enough. And I wish I could give you all that experience so that you could realize it's not enough. That's the same thing Ecclesiastes is saying. Everything this world offers is not enough for contentment. Everything this world offers is vanity. Finally, Douglas O'Donnell says this, in light of such vanity, the fact that our work and knowledge and pleasures and possessions are ultimately made futile by death, how then should we live this temporary life under the sun? The answer to that riddle is simple. We are to live our earthly lives by abandoning human illusions of self-importance and all pretense of pride and by embracing divine wisdom. This is done according to Ecclesiastes by trusting the Lord and doing what he says. This is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. The preacher closes the book out by reminding us that all those vanities lead us to nothing, but only God can bring us contentment. So now that we've looked at the context and the content, let's answer the question, why would we study this book? Why would we study Ecclesiastes? And maybe even more poignantly, why would we let our kids at Camp K study Ecclesiastes? Why is this book important today? When it's written in ways that are sometimes hard to understand, this book is important because it reminds us of what matters. It reminds us, as everything around us, everything in the world tells us, pursue yourself, try harder, you will succeed. Ecclesiastes says, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about the things that you can earn, the things you can enjoy, the things you can have here on this earth. It's about God. 
if you want true contentment, it only comes through believing the gospel, that our sin, the thing that we do naturally without even trying, disobeying God, has earned us eternity being punished, has earned us eternity separated from God's joy and peace and love, has earned us death. That's what we have brought to this situation. But God, through the gospel and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, offers us eternal life, offers us something better, offers us contentment knowing that we are doing what we were created to do. Through faith in what Christ has already done, God will call us his sons and daughters. And that doesn't mean, contrary to what Osteen said at the beginning of the service, that now we're no longer sinners. Because we are. We're still sinners, even as adopted sons and daughters. But it does mean that now we know what our goal in life is. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Ecclesiastes reminds us of what matters. Ecclesiastes shows us what the world says is important. And you're going to be surprised as we go through Ecclesiastes how applicable it is today. How many of the joys of today it brings forward and says, this is vanity, this is vanity, this is vanity, this is vanity. And how it continuously draws us back into the presence of God. Because everything around us is constantly bombarding us with selfishness. Everything around us is constantly telling us, it's all about you. It's all about what you want. Everything around us is teaching us to chase our tail, to keep up with the Joneses. Because if we can have the bigger house, the better car, the better job, more money, the better vacation, then we'll be happy. When we're on that better vacation or in that bigger house, we see somebody with an even bigger house or an even better vacation, and we're not happy. And the things that the world promised us would make us content instead leave us wanting more. The world will tell us it's all about us. The world will tell us what matters is what you post on social media. What matters is being able to quote movies and televisions and pop culture references. What matters is all the things that Ecclesiastes calls vanity. And what Ecclesiastes tell us is that that doesn't matter. And the only thing that matters is the gospel. And so we study Ecclesiastes to remind us of what matters, fearing the Lord. Are you spending time on the things of this world, the things that Ecclesiastes calls vanity, or are you spending time on the things of God? Brothers and sisters, one of the hardest truths that we all know is true and we really choose to forget is that we are not promised the next two seconds of life. We all just got two more seconds. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised a week from now. We're not promised a year from now. We function as though we have control. So we let our time do whatever we want. But Ecclesiastes reminds us that the things of this world are vanity. The things that matter is the gospel and pursuing the Lord. So are you redeeming your time? 
Are you taking advantage of the seconds, the minutes, the hours, the days, the weeks, the years that God has given you and continues to give you to pursue things that are not vanity, things of the Lord? Or are you wasting that time on the vanity? We study Ecclesiastes to remind us of what matters, fearing the Lord. And we also study Ecclesiastes to remind us of who God is. You see, many people treat God like a magic eight ball. They don't think about him. They don't pray to him. They don't process who he is until they want something. Oh, the Lord, or the world told me that I need a newer, nicer, better car. God, give me this car so that I can represent your glory by riding with a top down and showing everyone my beautiful face. That's not what God says to do. Yet that's how we treat God. We're so focused on the vanities of this world and not on the gospel that when we do touch the eternal, we do it to seek after the things of this world so often. And Ecclesiastes reminds us the things of this world are vanity. It's the eternal things that matter. It's the eternal things that will give us hope. It's the eternal things that remind us of who God is. So are you treating him like a magic eight ball or are you pursuing God and enjoying the things that he has given you as you seek to make his name known amongst the world? As we continue this book, we're going to see. We're going to see how to do these things. We're going to see what it is that matters to God. And we're going to see that many of the things that we think are important are actually vanity. And so we're studying Ecclesiastes to remind us what matters, fearing God, and to remind us of who God is, the only one that can bring contentment, the one who sent his son to live the life we should have lived, to die the death we still deserve, to be raised from the grave, affirming God's covenants and promises and all the things that he said from the beginning of the Bible to the end and to provide us with salvation through faith in him. Are you living a life pursuing vanity? Or are you living a life pursuing God? That's what we're going to look at as we continue to study Ecclesiastes. Let's pray together. Father, these are hard questions. As I write... Uh, as I wrote this sermon, I was reminded of the ways that I was pursuing the vanities of this world as I wrote. Father, I pray that you would forgive us for our pursuit of vanity, that you would forgive us for our pursuit of the things of this world, and that through Ecclesiastes and our personal time in the Word, we would be drawn back into your presence. We would be reminded of what matters, fearing and loving you, and we would be reminded of who you are, our Savior and not a magic eight ball. Father, we pray that you would help us. Help us to understand your word. Help us to live a life that is not filled with vanity, but is instead pursuing you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We pray that you are drawn closer to God and encouraged to be in the word. If you have any questions, please reach out to us at gpcga.org. That's gpcga.org.